Metaxas Show with your host, Eric Metaxas. Oh, hello. Uh, welcome. We're going to be doing a show, and we'd love you to watch please, or to please. listen in if you feel like it. Tune you can in. watch us, by the way. We're on Rumble. We are. And uh, what's today, Wednesday? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I want to say, folks, if you don't get the newsletter, we send out all kinds of stuff, ericmetaxas.com. Um, a couple of things we have to cover here. First of all, for most of both hours today, we're talking to Pete Hegseth from Fox and Friends on the weekend. Most of you know him as a, uh, as a shallow TV talking head. He is brilliant, <laughs> Princeton, yep. Harvard, and he has written a, a, a book with, a, with, a, with a, a, a co-writer, the two of them, um, the head of Classical Christian School Foundation, whom we've uh, interviewed before. They've written a book that gets to the heart of how America has, how American education has been hijacked. You don't want to miss it. This is, you're going to get an education because you need to understand this. So yeah. both hours today, Pete Hegseth. Uh, and at the end of hour two today, we're talking to the international head of CSI about the situation in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. You got to hear it. You got to hear it from him because he's over there. He's in, actually in Zurich, Switzerland. He's going to be calling in. Um, tomorrow, Catherine Engelbrecht, ladies yes. and gentlemen, if you've seen the film 2000 Mules, you know the hero of the story is this amazing woman, Catherine Engelbrecht. She is with True the Vote. They have been canceled. People have hacked into it. They've hacked into the 2000 Mules website. Everyone is trying to suppress the story. What does that tell you? Yeah. Um, now, by the way, I'm supposed to give a disclaimer. Yes, you are. When I was invited to be a part of the film, uh, they said, we'll, we'll give you like a piece of the back end. Now, mm-hmm. if you know Hollywood, you know you, you, never, you never see that, whatever. You know, it's just like point oh 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 one. But they do it, I guess, because they don't want to actually give you a check. <laughs> That's right. So I'm supposed to tell you that. Yeah. And uh, we'll all have a big party yeah, uh, if yeah, I get yeah. an $80 check yeah. uh, someday. But actually, yeah. I, and, and I, you know, I... I People know this, right? I believe so strongly in this. Obviously, not only am I not doing it for the possibility uh, of getting a, a small check down the line, but I, I would, I would do anything to get the word out on this, folks. This yeah. is, this is our republic is at stake, and I don't say this lightly. And a lot of people think I know that tons of people who read my Bonhoeffer book and read it, they just think I've gone nuts and I'm into these conspiracy theories. Yeah. Well, I'm the same person I was, you know, 10, 20 years ago. And all I care about is knowing what's true and honoring God with my life. And I feel that if we're not willing to stick our necks out with things like this, maybe lose some friends, maybe lose some of our reputation, so what? I care about my reputation with God, and that's why I'm talking about this yeah, film. Yeah, and if you want to know how bad things have gotten in our society, and our culture, I looked up in the dictionary the word truth, and it said, see conspiracy theory. Yeah. Okay, we're going we're gonna to score that as a joke. Uh, oh, it, It's uh, actually funny. But it's also <laughs> sickeningly true. Yeah, so I don't know whether to laugh or cry. Um, <laughs> I'm but doing that's, both over here. But it's but that's I mean, look, yeah. well, that's part of the joy, Albin, of, of having you around. It's like we know Thank that you. we have to talk about these things. <laughs> no, I know. It's but pretty, we also know that we yeah. have to joke because otherwise we'll I mean, go crazy. Yeah, exactly. You, um, can, you can get down. Um, but but I, I was going to say to 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 the, and get down tonight. Two thousand mules. Um, 
is something that I just hope everyone will see. And I say to people, you know, if you get a copy of it, lend it out to groups. I, I, yeah. I, I, I wish everybody would, you know, pay three cents to see it. Just give it to so many people. The point is to get the word out. The point is to save America. Yeah. Dinesh put in, you know, millions of dollars to create this film. But I want to tell you, um, as the word is getting out, uh, people, I think there are a lot of people that didn't, they didn't believe that it could be real or they didn't believe that they could be convinced. Well, yeah. uh, I've been convinced from the beginning for, for many reasons. Yeah. I think the, the real difficulty is communicating it to people to, so that they can see it as well and they don't just dismiss you as a nut. You know, feel free yeah. to dismiss and, me. And go to SalemNow.com. That's where you're, you will see that film. And also, whose children are they? That's another thing coming up. They're talking about education right now, the next, the next two guests. And this, this dovetails Actually, right off of that. that is exactly correct. Uh, whose children are they is another film available at SalemNow.com. Now, that film does deal with exactly what we're going to be talking um, uh, about for the next two hours with Pete Hegseth. I got to tell you, um, if you don't think we're in a war, uh, we're, we're in a, in a war. We're in a, in a, in a dark time. Uh, the good news is people are waking up that films are being made. Stories are being told by God's grace. This program is still uh, in existence and we can talk freely about this without anybody, uh, uh canceling us. <laughs> I didn't see you. Uh, folks, I am really excited right now because we're talking about something in this hour and I hope in the next hour as well that's at the heart of my concerns for the nation, for the culture, for the world, uh, something called education. Uh, I have in front of me a brand new book called Battle for the American Mind, Uprooting a Century of Miseducation. The authors are in the studio, Pete Hegseth and David Goodwin. Welcome. Thank you, Eric. Now, I know both of you sort of because, but from different worlds. You're Mr. Fox and Friends on the weekends, or am I confusing with you with another Pete Hegseth? No, you're right. You're right. Huh? And we met, we met in multiple iterations over the years. I was going to say, here, here and there, but you know, when, the problem is when you see somebody on TV, you don't remember, did I, did I actually meet them or did I just <laughs> saw the, see, see them on YouTube or something like that? But <clears throat> David Goodwin, um, you are the head of the Association of Classical... Christian schools. Yes. I'm a devotee and fan of classical Christian education and of homeschooling, and I am thrilled to see you again, and thank you for, uh, for writing a book, because we need to talk about this. Well, I think, you know, as, as things unravel at the speed of light, people are waking up. And, and, you know, there's a famous scripture, Romans 8, 28. You don't have to believe in the Bible. Just pretend Ben Franklin said it. It says, uh, <laughs> all things work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. In other words, even when things are in a nightmare where you have cultural Marxism being shoved down our throats and all that, the good news for us in America is that it's waking people up who otherwise would have remained asleep. They're thinking, wait, 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 what? You're teaching my kids what? I had no idea. Because, you know, uh, in 1975, when I was in fourth grade, it was not, you know. So this is good. And then, of course, people want to know, all right, now what do we do? Now where do we send our kids? We know we're not sending them to those schools unless we get on the board and fix that. So 
but I do love the idea that in this book, you, you tell us how we got here. So let's start. I mean, do we go to John Dewey? Do we go before John Dewey? How did we get to a point? Or, or let, let me just say this. In America, we're free. So we say, we're going to educate our kids. We're going to have a one-room schoolhouse. I've got to plow the fields. Uh, my wife's got stuff to do. So we're going to hire a school teacher, and we're going to get them to teach the kids in the neighborhood. And they're going to teach exactly what we want them to teach, obviously. They're the experts, but you know we're not going to let them teach uh, things that we think are wrong. And that's you know how we got public education, quote unquote. When did that go crazy and wrong? Well, certainly you mentioned some of the star players, John Dewey, uh, early part of the 20th century. That's that was the um, epiphany I had as I researched the book originally. Was that this doesn't date back to the 1960s, which most of us think right. that's when you see the manifestation of it. It dates to an earlier time, right, between 1915 and 1930, when the progressives actually built the school system that we now know in America. Okay, and that is true of everything. Now, there's not just education. Like we think, oh, the 60s. Well, the 60s is when it bore fruit. But you can trace all of these things back. Most of the things that we know are wrong, which end up being anti-American and cultural Marxism, they did begin originally in that time, whether you're talking about progressivism in uh, the Protestant churches or whatever, all of this stuff, the seeds were planted then by some key players. So tell us about that. Well, what was really surprising to me was that I went to the library on this quest to find one particular quote on education in the New Republic in about 1915. And... I thought it would be like shooting fish in a barrel. I mean, how many education articles are there in a political magazine in around the turn of the century? It was unbelievable. They were writing about it every week. And these are people who are dealing with the you know, unions and the and the and the protests of the time and the anarchists. I mean, they had everything in the magazine, but every week John Dewey or every two weeks, I think it published every two weeks. They had John Dewey or some other major educational character figuring, how are we going to change the educational system in America? And that's when I started to realize that there was more of a story here than just uh, the single quote on the plasticity It's the long the march through the institutions. And, of course, you know, most people are too busy to pay attention to what's going on behind the scenes, to what the global elites of 1915 are planning for our children and grandchildren and, and so on and so forth. So what was – in other words, what was their fundamental issue? In other words, if you say to John Dewey, uh, what's your problem with American education? In other words, why was he writing articles talking about this? That's, you know, what, what, what was his beef with American Well, the reveal in the book, I think the thing that Pete and I, Pete and I this was really a collaboration. So he, he works probably post-1930, and I work pre-1930 in most uh -huh. of the book. But um, the reveal in the book is that the, it's not what they – uh, it's not some indoctrination that they put into the schools. It was something they took out of the schools, which we call in the book the Western Christian paideia, or the way in which children are raised. To As a Greek, I know that it's pronounced pedia. But no, seriously, <laughs> that the, that's fascinating. It was if you pull out God, if you pull out, you know, the the, the Judeo Christian, the, those Western ideas, it instantly devolves to cultural Marxism, French Revolution, whatever you want to call it. 
but they they saw that this was the enemy. They didn't want to invoke that revolution right away, though. They knew they couldn't. So as David puts it, it's like a, a precious artifact that's on a pressure plate. They knew if they're removing oh. God, they had to replace it Ooh. with a forgery in that moment. And what's what's stunning for patriots uh, and, and conservatives today is what they replaced it with was with the flag and with the pledge. They replaced it with nationalism and patriotism. So God was subtly removed, and they discussed this in the New Republic openly. We have to get rid of God. That's the linchpin and the foundation of free thought and free thinking in America. But we can't, if we, if the parents and communities will revolt if we, so that's where Sunday school comes from in a, in a, on, a, on a theological side. That's where pullout periods came from in public school. But they replaced it with a new Pledge of Allegiance that didn't say under God, written by Francis See, Bellamy. This, this is, this is, I mean, this is where people have to just be really clear. Evil is extraordinarily subtle. There's, right? So most people say they place it with a flag. Well, that's good. Yes. It's not as good as God, and then the flag will be replaced with something else. Bingo. And we won't see it because sleight of hand, flag is good, I guess, right? You know, it, so that, that is amazing. But what was the animus of folks like Dewey against God in the West? In other words, where, where, did, the, where did that come from that they were dedicated to getting rid of, of Western – values and principles. Well, Dewey was a primary signer on the Humanist Manifesto, as you probably know. And that sounds like an okay thing, right? Humanist Manifesto. But what it really was was an atheist manifesto. Of course. (laughs) It was (laughs) um, man is going to become the new God. And that is what they were set out to do. That was the mission that they set out for. And as Pete pointed out, they had to take it through the path of, well, let's make America the God for a while. And then Pete picks up in the book, and you know the, the the destination that they ultimately ended at was the cultural Marxist paideia. So yeah, they moved from a progressive once they had opened the vacuum by removing God, and they were atheists. They were effectively yeah, atheists, yeah. and there was a belief that man was perfectible, right. uh, and the human condition through enough. Where did that idea come from? Ye shall be as gods. Who said that again? <laughs> Oscar Wilde. Oh no, Satan. Sorry, it was Satan. Um, it, it's kind of amazing how you have reality. And then you have anything else. In other words, no matter how you go away from God's reality, it always ends up being the same lies over and over in different guises. But how fascinating that, you know, the idea of the perfectibility of man, this utopianist impulse, you see it in the Tower of Babel, you see it in the French Revolution, you see it now. It, 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 it's over and over and over again. And one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you guys is to educate people that there's, there's nothing new. There's God's reality and truth, and then there's... However you try to get away from it, it always always ends up being the same thing ultimately. So we've got plenty of time to discuss this, folks. The book is Battle for the American Mind. Pete Hegseth and David Goodwin will be right back. talking about American education. Battle for the American Mind is the book, Uprooting a Century of Miseducation. 
Uh, David Goodwin has written it with Pete Hegseth. Now, David, you're the you're the head of the uh, edu- the Association of Classical Christian Schools, so you're like a brainy guy. Pete is just like a talking head on Fox and Friends. <laughs> we know he has nothing to say if it's not on a teleprompter. Pete, how did you get involved in this? Uh, I've always learned uh, to join forces with people smarter than me. Okay, that's the key. See, to success. Andy's humble, which makes me hate him even more. <laughs> you went to Princeton. You went to the Harvard uh, uh, Kennedy School of Government. What did you major in at Princeton? Politics. You did? Uh, I did. Uh, political philosophy uh, as, as sort of a, a degree of that. But I, I'll tell you what I've learned in this project, how much, how much I didn't learn. I didn't learn any of this stuff. My kids are in classical Christian schools, and all I say every day is, why, why can't I go back to school and uh, learn these things? Okay, that you're, you're singing my song. I have said this over and over in the last couple of decades. Like, I learned something. I wrote a book called... Uh, <laughs> called If You Can Keep It, Franklin's famous mm-hmm. line. And because of Oz Guinness, whose book I had read, I understood things. And all I could think of is how did I not get this? I didn't get any of this. So you, obviously going to these elite schools, which like Yale, I mean, they don't teach you this stuff. None they of it. teach you John Dewey on steroids, I guess. And they teach you now the latest manifestations of the Frankfurt School and critical theory, which is now we now see as critical race theory and we talk about every day. But the, it, it was just it's just the water in which we swam. You know, I took social studies, right? We all took social studies. Who invented social studies? Yeah, why is it not history? Why is it social studies? We can't get into that. We Shut can't up. get into that. Don't talk about it. I didn't, I didn't know where that all came from. Yeah. David had done the research, and then I was able to lay it upon uh, the, the environment in which we live right now and realize we all got a progressive education. Yeah. Every, almost everyone watching guaranteed right. got a progressive education that was started by atheists, advanced by Marxists, yeah. who had their own agenda, and it all happened subtly. And a lot of us think we aren't infected, but we are. And yeah. so you have to dig under the ruins of what used to exist. And that's what David did in this project. Is This is the way education – our founders were educated, how free people and republics actually perpetuate themselves. Why don't we do that? As opposed to what we're doing now. I have to say, too, people need to understand that if you don't get this stuff, if if, if you don't really understand this, you you really can't combat it because you don't know. This is why I think so many people are cowards. I mean, so many Republicans are cowards. They don't really understand it, and they're kind of afraid of being questioned. So so they just go like, well, what do I need to say so that you don't come after me? I'll just say whatever you want me to say because they don't really understand – what is happening? And so what you're talking about when you talk about John Dewey signing the uh, atheist uh, humanist manifesto, we need to understand there's a worldview. It is an atheistic worldview. It is at war with the biblical worldview. And we couldn't have America without the biblical worldview. You, you, you don't need to be a Christian to be an American, but you need to understand, historically speaking, you yes. do not get American-style self-government without, you know, the Israel covenant of the Old Testament, whatever. It's just not, you know, you can talk all day you want about, you know, the Iroquois system, and you can, people kind of throw this stuff out there, but it's historical fact, isn't it? I mean, you can't really argue with it, but you can ignore it. Well, you know, in the book we talk about the uh, liberal arts and how they were originally developed by the Greeks to enable a republic or a democracy. And we, <clears throat> in this day and age, we think it's just a natural thing. Uh, one of the things Pete talks about in the book is his time, you know, Pete's a, a veteran and he's, he's talks about his time in Afghanistan and the differences that you see in the paideia of the different parts of, of the world. And we're taking for granted this critical thing this liberal art tradition, right. 
where people can are trained to think for themselves See, that's and the be key. independently minded. That's the key. That's the key. And let, let's be honest. Okay, we're talking about freedom, right? And so, if you're teaching somebody to think for themselves, it means you have an innate assumption that you can trust people to find this thing called truth if they're honest. But if you don't believe that, then you have to do propaganda. Or you, you're exactly right about that. Or you make an excuse, which is, well, we're entering an industrialized economy now. Oh. Not everyone needs those skills. Uh-huh. So we'll have an elite few who think about things like philosophy. But the rest of you really just need to learn a hard skill. And we see that still today in the idea of STEM education. Yep. Science, it, it, STEM's fine, but we're, yeah. th- that becomes the focus. Okay, as it's one to step away from metal shop. Okay? <laughs> no, but I mean, that, that's kind of how I see it. It's like you can learn to think... Or you can get a trade. And if the trade is science, it's like more of a highfalutin trade. But it's still – you need to be taught how to think. Everyone does. Correct. So it's, it's a wise welder as opposed to a woke welder, which right. you have now. I mean everyone deserves the ability to think critically. Right. It was, and as David points out, that was a no more useful thing for a farmer or a blacksmith right. in the founding generation right. than it is today for right. someone else. But if freedom of a republic is what's at stake and the ability to think through the propaganda – they don't. They, they want more people uh, educated that way, as opposed to liberated. I'm. I'm just so glad you wrote this book, Battle for the American Mind. Do you? Uh, so where do you start in the book? At what? Uh, where does it? Where does it? Well, we start begin? with the problem identification. I mean, people. Me, we start with the COVID sixteen nineteen moment. So here we are in Zoom classrooms, and you're you're watching what your kids are are learning, and suddenly the sixteen nineteen project and CRT and gender obfuscation is right there in front of you. How did this happen? And meet people where they're at, and then start to walk backwards. Of well, here's precisely how it happened. Okay, and again, we've got to remind people what a blessing yep. the nightmare of COVID yes. turned out to be because if it hadn't been for that nightmare and the overreach of the radical left, most parents would never have known. Decades pass and you don't know. Suddenly, millions of parents woke up and said, whoa, wait a minute. Hold on. Uh, All right, we'll be right back. Talking to the authors of Battle for the American Mind, Pete Hegseth and David Goodwin. Folks, welcome back. We're talking to the authors of Battle for the American Mind, Uprooting a Century of Miseducation, Pete Hegseth and David Goodwin. So we're talking about what amounts to a conspiracy to subvert uh, the Western Judeo-Christian tradition baked into the heart of the United States of America. And there's no denying it. People like Dewey, they were on a crusade and they have up till now succeeded Yes, they have. And you know what? They didn't know what the destination would be, per se. They just knew where the destination was away from. So it was always progress away from the Western Christian paideia, the biblical roots of our, of our and free thinking roots of our, the, the nexus of Athens and Jerusalem. They wanted to move away from that. That was progress. So you, you say conspiracy. That's not a wrong term. No. We use, we use plot or heist because they passed it off to the next group of radical yeah. thinkers who carried the ball down the field based on how much God and other basic values have yeah. been stripped away. So enter the Frankfurt School, enter uh, critical theory, which where, where did it land? 
a hundred blocks from here at Columbia University at oh, the yeah. Teachers College. Oh, and yeah. these are Marxists who fled Hitler yeah. while our boys are fighting over in Europe in yeah. World War II. And they are greeted with open arms with their radical views soon to infuse into the Teachers College. Yeah. And, and within a couple of decades, one third of teachers in America at elite schools had been taught by the critical theorists of the Frankfurt School. So how do you get critical race theory in your Zoom classroom? It is in the curriculum and the pedagogy of how the entire educational industrial complex works. And when you unravel it all, it goes back to those early efforts and each step which we lay out, you know, the unions, which used to be uh, conservative teacher associations that handed out scripture to teachers to use in the classroom, captured by the unions. Well, then the unions create the Department of Education and a giveaway to Jimmy Carter. And at each step, as you said, conservatives and patriots we were busy winning world wars and fighting enemies and trying to keep the free market and the classroom and the, and the, yeah. and the, the social change side, we let the left. Well, that's totally all, unravel. but that's always the case, right? You get, and, and this is why conservatives who only are all about the free market. I, I want to say you're idiots because you won't, won't have a free market if you don't address this other stuff. Like if you make a God of the free market, you might as well worship the devil now because you, it's all going to go away. And they did take their, Christians and conservatives took their eyes off of these various balls. And over the decades, it, I mean, it's fascinating to me because, you know, when we talk about people like Dewey, these are crusaders and we can demonize them, but we can also give them credit in the sense that they actually believed in this stuff and they were doing what they thought was right, but they were wise about it and they took their time. Um, and over time, as you know, you're, you're, you're saying, these ideas that are fundamentally un-American, fundamentally unbiblical. All of these ideas slowly made their way in so that now we, we live in a world where you say, well, how, how did this happen? Like it happened overnight. We're teaching critical race theory and we're teaching transgender madness and whatever. How, how did this happen? Well, it didn't happen overnight. Not even close. Not even close. Uh, and that's why we, we, we're here to first break down the common assumption that it was the 60s. I came into this project with that. David, when he first researched, yeah. did. When you realize it's a lot longer project than that, we, our, our prayer for this book is that it is – what it does is the first step to recovery is identifying the depth of your problem. And so we've got parents so courageously protesting at school boards, and that's great. Yeah. But that's like charging a fortified machine gun nest with Nerf guns. Whoa. You know, we salute your efforts, but we're yeah. going to bury you all. Yeah. And my mom did the same thing in the 80s and 90s at my public elementary school. Yeah. She protested a new values-free curriculum. I don't yeah. even know what it is, but it's the precursor to Common Core and the precursor right. to social that's emotional right. learning. She, I didn't have it, and some parents stood up. She pulled me out. But guess what happened? Forest Lake Elementary School kept teaching it. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. So we advocate for, in the book, a retreat and an insurgency of Christians to say we need our own schools oh, that yeah. uncover this hidden form of education, oh, yeah. classical Christian, so that we can take back the culture. Because hoping we're going to change your school board, uh, it's, it's polishing the brass on the Titanic. Wow. Well, I mean, I think we need to do everything, but I think that there are Correct. people, the numbers of people – pulling their kids out of public schools, or even, let's face it, there are a lot of quote-unquote Christian schools or quote-unquote Catholic schools that are themselves half-woke or, or half-blind to this. They're certainly not on the, on the good side. But I think parents are waking up. I think the homeschool numbers are exploding around the country. People are saying, like, there's no way I could do a worse job than they're doing to my kids. At least I won't teach my kids Marxism. Um, let's talk a minute about Marxism, right? Because I think, you know, I was always raised, it was an economic thing, right? It's like the haves, the have-nots. But 
now we realize that it's a philosophy that basically divides people one way or the other. However, we can divide people and create resentment. Um, and so now it's cultural Marxism. Now it says if I'm transgender or I'm lesbian or I'm uh, a woman or I'm – whatever group I can identify with that can say we're oppressed and we're against our oppressors. So the names and, and categories have been changed. But it's the same context and it was brought in by the Frankfurt School. You mentioned uh, Gramsci, Marcuse. These people mm-hmm. in the in the 40s, whenever that was, they – brought Marxist philosophy, which is atheist philosophy. It's not neutral. It's seriously atheist philosophy. They brought it in to the universities. And William F. Buckley, when he was at Yale in the late 40s, he saw this. Now imagine, in the late 40s, mm-hmm. he writes a book called God and Man at Yale, uncovering all this stuff. That was the late 40s. So by the time I was there in the 80s, political correctness had already swamped the campus or whatever. Now, of course, it's pure madness. But it's amazing to me that you know we're not we're not teaching the evils of cultural Marxism. Most people don't know what the Frankfurt School is, and others. Most people don't even know how to react because they don't they don't know they still don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that Pete and I were both surprised at is that you know I did my kernel of research in the early part of this, and of course I know classical Christian education. Pete did most of the work in the 20th century. And the puzzle pieces fit together like they were hand in glove, to mix metaphors a bit. But it was unbelievable. Um, Dewey's at Columbia until about 1930. The um, Frankfurt School shows up in about 34, 35. You see this develop. You see the Cultural Revolution. Talk about cultural Marxism in Maoist China in the late 1960s where he realizes that you cannot make economic Marxism work without cultural revolution. And it just – the whole thing flows together. I think what the book does is provide a sweeping narrative of the 20th century to show us how we got where we are and then – of course, it prescribes a solution. We try to simplify it. You know, it goes from Western Christian paideia to the American progressive paideia, which lasts all the way up to basically 9-11. So think of the collective response we were able to have at 9-11, even with a progressive paideia. Yes. Now we're about to have a culturally Marxist yes. paideia. Yes. What, could, what in the world could we respond to we're, internally and externally? We're going to go to another break. We've got plenty more. Don't go away. Welcome back. We're talking to the authors of Battle for the American Mind, Uprooting a Century of Miseducation. Pete Hegseth of Fox and Friends. David Goodwin, not of Fox and Friends. But he's a friend. So you get, but he's a friend. Uh, so let me just say, this book tells us how it happened. And that's what we're talking about. It's like most people don't know how it happened. They just know suddenly they turned around and lunacy was prevailing. I mean, it's almost unbelievable, the level of lunacy. And, you know, whether we're talking about pronouns, you're kind of like, wait a minute, what? what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who came up with that 10 minutes ago that we have to, like, talk about? I mean, and you do want to know, who did come up with this madness? And in a funny way for me, the issue is the brazenness of it. In other words, you might as well well be, you know, George Orwell in 1984 saying, we're going to get you to say 2 plus 2 equals 5. If the party tells you 2 plus 2 equals 5, you better say 2 plus Mm -hmm. 2 equals 5. It's the brazenness of it that I think is the most alarming. The question and the thing, the thing that they can count on is who do you point at? A- at this point, when, as we tell the story, there's no 
one boogeyman that you could say, well, that person did. It was just Barack Obama. It was just Randy Weigarten. It was just Common Core. It was just sort of death by a thousand cuts over time as they took over and controlled all of these institutions, which is why in addition to problem identification, we spend three chapters in the book on the solution. I mean, breaking down what classical Christian is, breaking down what you can do as a parent. And then I think the challenge is, and we start the last chapter by saying the most difficult part of this book is exhorting parents and grandparents to choose a different educational path for their children without shaming them for how and where their kids have been educated thus far. Yeah, We all had no idea. And once you understand that it is, yes, it is your public school. It's not yeah. just that school over there or the, the Democrat-controlled areas. It's your affluent suburban school. It's yeah. your rural school yeah. because the pipeline is still the same of the teachers, the tests, the standards that feed the tests. All of it is a giant feedback loop. So unless you're in a very specific type of school, right. a very intentional Christian school, or homeschooling, right. and thank goodness there's a much more robust network that feeds homeschools yeah. at this point oh, to include yeah. classical Christian oh, curriculum. Yeah. So options are there for parents, but you got to get past the whole, I pay taxes, I pay property taxes, yeah. we moved here because the zip code is good and the yeah. schools are good and there's yeah. a brand new gym and everyone has iPads. There's, way, there's <laughs> ways you can rationalize it, wow. and we all have done that. And we think about the amount of time you spend on vacations or where you're going to do this or where you're going to do Take a moment to realize if you're not focusing on education, you're probably sending your kids off to Democrat camp every day. Yeah. In a school you think is nice with teachers who are nice. And, and, and by the way, when you say nice. Democrat camp, that's a really nice Generous. way of putting it because the, when we think of the Democrats, we forget this is Marxist leftist camp. The, the Democrats, you know, uh, Richard Gephardt and uh, Walter Mondale, you know, the Democrats of the past were, you know, kind of like George W. Bush. We, we're, we don't have people like that anymore. We have people that either are radical Marxists or are utter cowards who are just passing the baton, uh, you know, the current White House uh, administration. They 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 clearly don't have any beliefs except whatever's going to you know so they're they're very happy to let AOC and the actual marxists take over and yeah we have to be honest about this and we have to say we have to pull our kids out yesterday whatever it takes because this is really uh it's 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 just dramatic now you you know, being the head of the, the the Association of Classical Christian Schools, I I've spoken. Uh, I'll speak this week uh, at a classical Christian school event. Um, but everywhere I go, I also meet homeschoolers, and I have to say, the the thing people used to say about homeschoolers is like, yeah, but they don't they're not socialized, right? Every homeschooler I meet is the most mature young person, and I say, these kids are taking over the world. So between classical Christian school and homeschool, I think the, the radical left doesn't know what's coming. I, well, I, there's, a, there's a, por- a big portion of the homeschool movement that's d- uh, distinctively classical of Christian. Of course. Uh, classical Conversations is the organization that, that does a lot of that. One of the things I'd like to append on um, to kind of, you know, the, the conversation about Democrat camp, um, it is true that there's a lot of indoctrination that's going on right now. But what's been robbed from our kids is a vision of the good life. What they're being told, and the reason we have 20-somethings in the streets throwing bottles, is that they don't know what they're about. They don't have a solid grounding in what God made them for and how God you know, seeks to 
make their lives, you know, bigger than themselves. That that's the gift God gives us is is a life that's bigger than than any of us can make on our own. And yet, what the what the leftists have done is convince them that they're all important. Each child is uh, big in their own right, yeah. and that's just a lie. Uh, once they're out of the womb, let's be very clear. <laughs> yes. Only then. Before that, you're trash. Um, yeah. If I could add, though, I mean, you you could define because you you could say it properly, and I can't. the The phrase paideia. Paideia, the enculturation, the development, the vision of a good life for the youngest, right? Yeah. So we assume college education. What yeah. the left focused on was yep. four, five, six, seven, eight years old because that is when who you are is imprinted on your heart. And, and if you can control that, that's why they're so obsessed with early childhood education as well. Get them in the hands of Uncle Sam as early as possible. They, they realize that's the key. That's where paideia is formed. That's where the trajectory of their life is formed. So while we were focused on the lunacy of higher education, I mean, you're, it's not lost on you. Closing of, closing of the American mind is, is similar to bat. We've been focusing on K through 12 for, or excuse me, higher education yeah. for a very long time yeah. when the real work of progressives <clears throat> was to get into our youngest of classrooms because that's where the real transformation and happens. And what, what they said they were doing was industrial education, as you pointed out earlier, which is what? The pursuit of a good life that's tied to material goods. Right. That's we'll get what, you a job. We'll get you some bread, some vodka. You can live in the center block building. Shut up. We don't want to know what you think. I mean, that's communism. Except it's uh, wrapped in a different package. You lose the marriage, the family, kids, the real joys in life. We're cultivating a young generation that just doesn't appreciate the real joy. The good, the true, and the beautiful. You know, you keep yes. hearing that, that phrase. And those are the kinds of things. Look, we know that the whole 20th century was a war on the good, the true, and the beautiful. Art got ugly. What, what, what happened? What happened to the beautiful rhyming poetry of Longfellow, patriotic and beautiful and whatever? Somebody, you know, and this is when I was at Yale, I learned this, right? Like, if it rhymes, Norman Rockwell, like, all that stuff is for the rubes in middle America. The elites, you know, we're going to read, I don't know, Wallace Stevens or whoever we're going to read. We're going we're gonna to read this stuff that nobody wants to read, and we're going to go to the museums and look at stuff that nobody would say is beautiful, and we're going to persuade ourselves that this is the way the elites, this is the way we want to go. And it's the exact opposite of what made this country great. And by the grace of God, we are still able uh, to even talk about this. We're now, it's not over yet, but we're in a battle. It's not over yet, but I'd say the, word, the darkest time in American education was the 1970s when classical Christian education was completely buried. Yeah. There, there were no classical Christian yeah. schools at all. The progressive paideia had completely taken over. Today, you could enter over almost 500, over 400 classical Christian schools in almost every state across the country, a huge homeschooling uh, network of millions. They tried to outlaw homeschooling, as you know. I mean, there was a big effort to end all uh, Christian education, private education. They didn't succeed. Though. So we have our chance yeah. in light of this new moment where we realize what the Marxists have done. We just have to get at it. Now, if somebody says, uh, I'd like to know if there's a classical Christian school around here, is there a website they might go to? Classicalchristian.org. Classicalchristian.org. If you can't spell that, you didn't go to a classical Christian school. <laughs> classicalchristian.org. Um, you know, I just can't say enough about how centrally important this is. And you're right, Pete, when you say that, I mean, we know that in Europe, Europe is always a few steps ahead in terms of the, the lunacy, and they are persecuting 
Christians who want to educate their kids and whatever, they, they are openly persecuting them. Of course, it's come here now, but enough people are waking up. I hope people listening to this program are waking up and will send this video to their friends and understand that we're in a war. We're going to keep talking uh, about battle for the American mind with Pete Hegseth and David Goodwin. Don't go away. Welcome back, folks. We're talking about education, American education. Remember that? Uh, it's The book is The Battle for the American Mind, Uprooting a Century of Miseducation. Pete Hegseth and David Goodwin, the authors. Um, again, the good news is we're waking up to this. The good news is there are solutions that are still possible. But we are in a battle. I mean, the teachers' unions, for example, we now know are just leftists. They are just Marxists. They don't even believe that we should have a say in what our kids learn. I mean, it's kind of like we skipped backwards to Mao's Cultural Revolution and we're suddenly in China in 1965 and the parents are being, you know, demonized by their own children. I mean, it's like you just didn't think this could happen in America. Not only do they not think parents should know, they think parents are the rubes over here who are uh, oh yeah, poisoning their kids with yesterday's dogma and it's the job of the school yeah. uh, to give the correct education to hide the gender transition that's going on at school from the very parent this is a war we chose that intentionally i mean yes i have a military background uh it, it is a war uh for the future of our country of ideas of our faith uh of the things our country was founded on and if we don't but education has just been this secondary issue for too many people. Every other political issue has been atop the list for decades. Well, look, and let's be and honest. You have Republicans like Jeb Bush pushing Common Core. I mean, they, they have been useless, utterly useless. Frankly, they don't seem to get this. And you're, it took almost until the fourth year of the Trump presidency, too, as a huge fan of his, to look at the 1776 commission. Oh, and get man. Really, I mean, he's fighting a thousand battles, so yeah. I don't begrudge him anything. Yeah. But it is the type of thing where it has snuck up on us so slowly, yet so quickly. Yeah. And our answers are so insufficient that that that's why the solution section is as big as it is in this book, because you got to get people to wrap their heads around how infected we all really are, how much we one, didn't learn. One of the things that, you know, I think we just have to be clear uh, in American public education before it went wrong in the 19th century, we would teach love of country, love of God, like these basic things, love of freedom. What is freedom? We really understood that there, there's just no pulling these things apart. And if we don't teach them, they, they go away. In most of the world, they don't have this kind of stuff. So we had this pride in inculcating the generations with these ideas and celebrating them. And, and as we know, through the decades, this went away so that patriotism, um, you know, it, 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 it just kind of went out in elite circles. They, they, yes. they kind of, well, pfft. You know, we're, we're globalists, we're elitists, we don't believe in that rube stuff, you know, rah, rah, America. And they demonize the concept of love of country, which I just find amazing, especially you served in the military. I mean, the idea that we would denigrate a healthy love of country as somehow, you know, uh, jingoistic, chest-thumping, triumphalist. I mean, it's kind of amazing how deep those bad ideas got so that you have a lot of people in the country 
who they just kind of have gone along with that, I mean, self- especially in the blue states. Yeah, we're self-loathing at this point. America was, I mean, to quote, to quote the uh, disgraced former governor of New York, America was never great. That, that is the view of the left at this Can point. Can you imagine? With the his, but it, 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 before it was Hannah Jones and the 1619 Project, it was Howard Zinn, A People's History of the United States, which is the most prolific history textbook of the modern era and if your high school doesn't have the book in the classroom then the textbook that was written for your child's classroom was based on Howard Zinn and people's history which is American history written from the Soviet perspective and then David Coleman and the folks at the college board rewrite the SAT to respond to the common core which was based on Howard Zinn so now what your kids are learning what they're tested on and their entrance exams are based on a Marxist view of American history no one we get kids that are pumped out saying this America thing is terrible. We're teaching them that there is no Bill Bennett's, you know, hit two volumes of American history that that talks about uh, the providential nature of our country. That's gone in public schools completely. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, it's the Marxist view of American history, which is fundamentally anti-American. And you go, okay, so you want to point out our flaws? I mean, speaking as a Christian, I want to know my flaws because I want to repent of them and do better, right? So in this country, we had something called slavery. Well, we had a war. We abolished slavery. Like, can we celebrate that, that we, we abolished slavery? And people are like, no, no, no. Like, we can't celebrate anything. We have to be re- relentlessly negative. We can never say that we did anything good. We had Jim Crow. We got rid of Jim Crow. Can we celebrate that? No. It's kind of like a a really nihilistic, I would say satanic view of reality. It's really very, very dark. It's what happens when you wrongly order your loves. It's what the circumstance is that, as we said, the progressives replaced God and Christianity with patriotism. And patriotism couldn't stand up to that kind of pressure. It it was wrongly ordered at that point, and it was, so, but it wasn't even healthy patriotism. Words, it, once you have patriotism devoid of of God, in other words, if, if patriotism, if love of country is not rooted uh, in the deeper love of truth and God right. and goodness and beauty, then eventually it has, it'll float away like a mylar balloon. It has to be rooted in a transcendent. You talked about the true, the good, and beautiful. You don't, you know, no institution of man creates true, good, and beautiful ideology. It has to come from God. And when they disordered it, anything that's disordered, even a good thing like patriotism, becomes ugly. When it gets set on top and made the, the centerpiece, it's what we said about taking the pressure plate. You know, you put, you put the uh, patriotism on the pressure plate, and it can't perform there because that's not that, what it's there for. That is a, that's a headline for me. I mean, I have absolutely never heard that when you, you said it first, Pete, but I've never heard that idea that Dewey and these progressives very, very slyly thought, yeah, we, we want to get rid of God, but uh, we're going to need to do a little sleight of hand. So how can we pull this off? We'll use patriotism. I mean, it's really evil because, of course, it's not real patriotism, but it's enough patriotism to get the rubes not to pay attention. And so what... You know, when they talked about that, what kind of patriotism or what was the long game, the idea that we're going to we're going to put patriotism in and and what? I mean, it was just kind of like a filler at that point. What what was it? What was what was their idea of patriotism? Well, it 
it was a it had to be close enough to legitimate patriotism in order for Americans to buy it and say it's okay if you take the uh, creeds of Christianity out of the classroom as long as you replace them with the Pledge of Allegiance uh, because the Pledge of Allegiance is a good thing. So a good thing replaced something. Okay, that- I think I'm figuring it out. What you're what you're telling me, correct me if I'm wrong. But this is this is ultimately the secularization of America. In other words, it's the it's the mis uh, it's the, it's the wrong idea that you get in the Burger Court or whatever. That 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 basically they say we're going to have separation of church and state, which doesn't mean what it meant to Jefferson, which is that the church is sacrosanct and the state cannot touch it. No, no, no. We're going to completely subvert that, and we're going to say. We need to take the church away from the state, and they can have nothing to do with each other. So we're going to have a secular patriotism. We're going to have love of country, but it, it's going to be what Richard John Newhouse called the naked public square. We're going to pull God out, and we're going to make it look neutral, but it's actually satanic. I mean, it seems to me like that's what I'm getting. And it had a practical application at the time, influx of immigrants. How do you unite them? You unite them under one flag, as Dewey often did. It was either, you know, training for the future vocation or or integration that way. They used it in that application. And they, they debated it openly in the New Republic. It was, how do we remove God? Do we, okay, we're going we're gonna to let him do religious instruction off-site. And then the churches, as you talked about, Eric, did, did the work for the left at that very same time, which is a huge section that David wrote about, by splitting itself. I mean, today's evangelical movement has basically given up the idea of education at all, and that became Sunday school. Yeah. And, and, and the progressives, we have a couple quotes in here, openly mock it. They say, what can one hour of theistic training on Sunday do against five days of progressive training during the week? They knew once God was pushed out, they had the advantage, which is why the, the name of this book was almost the 16,000 hour war, because it's 16,000 hours of public instruction that your kids get from K through 12. When per, That's nowhere near the amount of time they would spend inside a church or a church group or with religious instruction. I mean, this is jaw-dropping stuff. This is absolutely jaw-dropping stuff. I, I, you know, I marvel at the the genius of the, the wicked. In other words, the idea that they thought this through and that they were so dedicated to getting God out. And again, there are many people today, many, you know, uh, they think they're conservatives, who don't understand that without virtue, and faith, you can't have freedom. You can talk all you want about the free market and we believe in free. You, your version of freedom is like uh, Dewey's version of patriotism. Ultimately, it's hollow and it will, there's nothing there. And you're going to find out. You will find out if you don't understand that at the heart of what, what you think you value has to be some kind of virtue. You're going to have to teach virtue, and virtue comes from faith in something larger and whatever. But if you're teaching nihilism, you can't do that. So it's this sleight of hand, and, you know, you, the proof will be in the pudding. We're talking to the authors of Battle for the American Mind, Pete Hegseth and David Goodwin. Don't go away. In civilized jungles, females adore the lions who come on swinging if you want to score. Somewhere beyond the sea.
Hey, folks, final segment talking with Pete Hegseth and David Goodwin, Battle for the American Mind, Uprooting a Century of Miseducation. So, Pete, the headline here is that you're not just an empty talking head on Fox and Friends. It's not like they say he's smart. He could do things. Uh, it, it gives me such joy to know that you not only get this stuff, but that you've joined with David and written a book about it and that you're using your platform to get the word out to the American people about what is happening. I think part of this has been, as a father, uh, a journey of discovery myself as a parent. Yeah. Right? I mean, that guy, and that's how we've treated this book and how we treated the film series yeah. at Fox Nation as well. David, I call him my Sherpa, you know? <laughs> he, he's leading me through, and I'm discovering in real time, very much like most of our viewers are right now. Oh, oh yeah. my goodness. I knew there were some problems. I didn't realize it was this big. Yeah. And hopefully, because I've only more recently made some of the choices to get my kids intentionally into some of these schools. So all of us are behind the curve, yeah. and I feel this ticking clock in my mind of every moment they're not in that education, I'm not doing what I should be doing for them. Yes, I right. need to be doing it in the home. Yes, I need to be doing it in church, but yeah. to not have the third part of that, of the classroom reinforcing the things yeah. that I believe, I'm just losing time. And so I, I would urge the same thing to parents. Do the research. Take a look. Uh, it, it's not enough to feel like you know, your, your principal's a nice guy or you've got two members of the school board. That's wonderful. We should fight those places. I, I, don't, I don't think we should give up any space. Right. But right now we're in a knife fight. We're in the kill zone. And they've right. got us surrounded. And you've got to act when you're in that spot. Well, I got to tell you, you know, that's, that's a fact, what you just said. And there are lots of people that don't get that. They don't have the urgency. They think, oh, you're being hotheads. Um, how I wish that were true. How I wish that were true. I mean, look. Chesterton was talking about this stuff in the 1920s. Yep. Some people saw this, and they've been talking about it. C.S. Lewis was talking about it in The Abolition of Man. This has been going on and on and on and on. And all along, the bad guys will smile at you and say, we want to help your kids you know, in the new world here that we're creating. Uh, it's, it's, to me, it's the level of urgency that needs to be communicated. And I know you do uh, in the book – the what is the website again for the classical Christian classical Christian dot org classical Christian dot org um, there's just no way around it you don't have America without these ideas in other words the West uh, the, the 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 Greek tradition the Judeo Christian tradition come together to make real freedom possible and right. pay, people died for this and when you remove those things. You know, it's a brave new world. It's China. It's death camps. It's but people don't believe that. They don't seem to understand if you and and how close we are basically. Well, before I mean, we, we tend to see what's closest to us. Obviously, uh, if we go back in history before Christ and before this form of thought and education, it was an ugly place. It was pretty brutal. People don't. We do see, not people, want to go back. There. People don't realize. I mean, look, because my mother grew up in East Germany and my father came from Greece, where the communists were trying to take over. They raised me to love this country and to understand like how horribly bad it can be. But I think most Americans think like, how bad could it get? Maybe the economy will down, get, will go down, or gas prices will go up to ten bucks. Okay, but you know what? It can't get that bad. They don't seem to understand that when you pull these things out, it becomes a satanic nightmare. They just, they won't believe it until they see it. But I think people are beginning to see it. I think American exceptionalism c comes with a dose of a feeling of America inevitability. 
And as a result, people say, well, yeah, it's bad, but there's no, there's no way we can be that and things will be okay and yeah. my kid is going to be just fine. And uh, So there, there, there is a complacency in, inside all of us. And yeah. when you start to realize the depth of the problem, you realize how small you are, which is a wonderful recognition actually, but that means yeah. you can affect something. Yeah. You can choose where your kids go to school. You can choose where your grandkids go to school. Uh, and and that's the beautiful message of the book is there are options. I think the the providence, you know, we've talked from the beginning of this interview about how this thing came together. The providence of it is that Pete and I started work on this in, uh, I think it was February or March of 2020. So if you do the backwards math, you realize that when Pete was first discovering this stuff and I was telling him about it and I was learning a lot of it myself, none of the current madness was really visible yet. And as you pointed out several times, Eric, we're, it's like the Lord has used the providence of our moment. To, you know, this book took two years to get here, and when it arrives, we're in a time when people are seeing the consequences of this form of education. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. It started before the China virus even hit. And and everyone it was was by the way by it's reality. not right to call it the China virus it's called the what's it called it's called the Kung flu pandemic <laughs> Kung flu pandemic okay make sure you get it right otherwise it's politically incorrect um, Pete I got to ask you what, did, were you raised in the faith did you come to faith later in life very much so my parents we went to a small Baptist church in Minnesota they were it was a wonderful faith filled home but I in looking back on it my childhood. Even with all of that, yeah. was effectively secular. Well, sure, uh, because and I went to a great conservative public high school. My dad was a public educator. Yeah, I mean, we were, but it was a veneer of Christianity with a core of of, of a secular. And I, I've, yeah. I've careened around life as a result. Yeah, and the reason we wrote this book is we want more intentional foundation and development of our kids at an earlier age, yeah. so that they can avoid a lot of the careening around, because we don't have that time in this country and in their lives. It, it, it's um, it's just such a wonderful thing that you guys have put the work into to telling this story. Because listen, everyone in America needs to understand how this happened, what is happening. Otherwise, we're just going to keep drifting along. But I, I really do think that uh, you've done it. So congratulations, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Battle for the American mind, uprooting a century of miseducation. It's all true, unfortunately, but we can get out of it if we're aware of what it is. Thank you for all, for all you do. God bless you guys. Thank you for this book. Thanks for your time. 